How is God working in your life right now? How is God working in your life? Not, not how has he, but how is God working in your life right now in the here and now? Maybe there's some of you, like the song that we sang just a few moments ago, maybe there's some of you that you've seen God move mountains. And maybe your prayer is just like that song, Lord, I'll see you do it again. See, see when you go in times of unknown in your life, just like I did recently in a season of not wanting to be in full-time ministry, but, you know, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to trust you. As I transitioned there, and, and, and I was like, this song sounds kind of familiar, but until they hit, I guess, the bridge, or I don't know, maybe the chorus. You can tell I'm not a musical guy, but I love music. But I'll see you do it again, right? We have to look back in our lives, and, we have to, and sometimes we have to trust God and say, okay, God, I've seen you move mountains. I've seen you do things I couldn't imagine that you did do, but you did. But we also come to a place today where what is he doing right now? And I would submit to you this morning that obviously he's doing something in your life because you're here. That God is doing something in your heart, in your life, in your marriage, in your relationship with other people. You're here. That, that can't be said for the majority of our community. So many people did not darken the doors of a church today. There are so many unchurched all around us. As I, as I think about this, I think about the hunts. The hunts, they came and they spoke this past Wednesday. And I have to be careful what I say because this message is being recorded and, and I can't use their first and last name because it's being recorded, because of where they're going and who they're going to be working with. But one thing that, that really just struck a chord for me in this moment as I think about the Hunt family as they prepare to go to France, that, that they shared this slide on Wednesday night and here where they're going in that part of France, if you look about the middle of the screen, there's a little marker, like we're here. And it says 40 Centra. It says uh, 42,000 inhabitants. In essence, where the hunts are getting ready to go in France, in that community of 42,000 people, there is one, hear me, one evangelical church. That'd be like there being one evangelical church in all of Sumter. There are hundreds of churches in Sumter, and there are still people who aren't reached. Do you think that that's a God-sized mountain that they're up again? But can God begin to move? Absolutely. And so as I think about them, as I think about where they were, and I forgot to include the slide is from, one, from the sanctuary over here, but for me, it was, it was a picture that they showed of a gentleman being baptized as they go to work with refugees, Arab refugees that are, are freeing the flants, and as they were there, this gentleman was being baptized, but it was the shirt that the person had on that was baptizing him that said it all. And I've come to this morning to remind you of the truth that I was reminded of on Wednesday night, and his shirt simply said this, Jesus is bigger than Sundays. Jesus is bigger than Sundays. See, we come to church, and we worship, and we go through the motions, but then where, where is Jesus on Tuesday? Where is Jesus on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. He, he, if he's big enough for Sunday, he's big enough for the whole week. And so this morning, I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word or your app, wherever you're at, however you're going to look at the Word today. I encourage you to go to the book of 1 Thessalonians. We were in Colossians recently, so if you happen to put your bulletin there, you're going to go to the right, you're going to go to the, 
book of 1 Thessalonians, the first letter that Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica. And as you're turning there this morning in a way of reminding us, I don't know if anybody can identify with this one nugget of wisdom that I ran across this week, but what's interesting about the Thessalonians is this, that they struggled to live a life pleasing to God. Is there anybody in here this morning that could testify and stand up and say, I have lived a life struggling to please God? And I think what we need to be reminded of this morning is this, that this is not, you're not alone. This isn't a 2022 problem. This is a, ever since the Garden of Eden has been a problem of us pleasing God. Because our sinful nature gets in the way. So if you've come this morning and you are struggling to live a life that you think is pleasing to God, friends, you're not alone. I'm in that boat a lot of times myself. Yes, even as the pastor, there are times where I struggle with, am I living a life that's pleasing of God? Now what's interesting too is I encourage you as you grow in your faith and and you're trying to dig deeper, if you're studying a book of the Bible like Romans or um, Ezra, wherever you're at, if you'll go on YouTube and you'll type in the name of that book. So, for example, what I did was I typed in First Thessalonians, and then I typed in two words, Bible Project. Bible Project. There's a Bible Project, and it's really interactive. And so one of the things I did the other night while I was walking and exercising, I had my AirPod in, and I just began to just kind of say, okay, let me just listen to this to remind me of what's happening in Thessalonica. What were the Thessalonians dealing with? And here's one nugget of wisdom that I I was walking, and I have to tell myself, I'm like, I get out my phone, and I'm like, make a note. Or I tell, hey, Siri, make a note. And so she'll go to make a note. And and this is something that as I was walking, it it stuck out to me. And here's what they said as we study uh, study this passage in, in uh, First Thessalonians today, from the Bible Project. They said, what you hope for shapes what you live for. What you hope for shapes what you live for. Some of y'all put your faith, hope, and trust in the wrong thing, and that is shaping your life to a, uh, that's going to end in disaster. You say, well, I came to be encouraged this morning. I'm going to encourage you. But i got to discourage you before I can encourage you. Amen? i got to tell you the truth and speak the truth in love of what we see. And so look with me, if you will. Really, verse 13 is kind of how I got into this particular passage. But as you know, as, as I've hopefully instilled in you, taught you, is you've got to look up, you've got to look back, you've got to read around where you are. And so we're going to actually go up to verse 11. So look, and you'll find these similar words in your copy of God's Word. First Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 11. For you know how, like a father with his children... We exhorted each one of you and encouraged and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you to his kingdom and glory. We also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you Believers, may the Lord bless the reading and preaching of his word. So so let's let's go back and and see what we see. So Paul is, in essence, telling the church at Thessalonica they they were struggling to live a life pleasing to God. He says, look, for you know how, like a father with his children, that's his approach. And so one, one thing I want you to see in here in the text today is there's three kind of areas. There are three things I want you to see. There's we, there's God, 
and then there's you. And, and I'm going to show you right out of the text of what we see this morning. So first off, it's the we. It, me and Austin, we have a part to play. Your Sunday school leader, your, your group leader, your disciple, the person who's discipling you, they have a responsibility. And their first responsibility is what? is to treat you like a father does with his children, that you're to guide them. Look back at verse 7. Paul talks about how a mother, as she guides her children, does it gently. But here, Paul, see, fathers, we got to be a little bit more stern. Mamas can be stern, too. If, if, ain't, if mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. If that's at your house, say amen. Um, man, nobody said amen. All right, maybe it's just at my house. <clears throat> okay, that's what happens when you, it's not the word. Anywho, all right, so verse 12. Verse 12, what do we see? Like a father with his children. So he's guiding them. Look at what he says as he guides. He says, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you. So, so these three verbs, let's just look at this for just a minute. As we look at this today, he's saying that, that, that he exhorted you. In essence, the job of a pastor, the job of that Sunday school teacher, or that disciple maker, is that we're going to plead with you, that we're going to appeal to you. In essence, we're going to urge you to follow the Lord. <clears throat> then he says what? We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you. We comforted you. But then look at the last verb. He says, and we charged you, we implored you. In essence, friends, as you come together on Sunday morning, as we gather as the body of Christ, this should be a time of encouragement. It should be a time of truth. There's going to be times when you say, well, pastor, you stepped on my toes. And as I heard a pastor say recently, I wasn't aiming for your toes. I was aiming for your heart. Right? I'm not worried about stepping on your toes because we live in a society, as you very well know, that people are highly offended about the least littlest things. That's the day and time of which we live. But we're going we're gonna to plead, we're going to urge, we're going to comfort, we're going to implore you. In essence, as you come together on a Sunday morning, it, it should be a time of love, it should be a time of encouragement, but also my job is to spur you on. It is to charge you to say, look, there's work to be done. That God has things that he wants to do in you and through you, and so you've got to yield to him. But then we see this phrase, and he says, not only did they, they, they exhort them, they encouraged them. I wish I'd come up with an E for that C, you know, my alliteration. I love that. But he, he charged them what? To walk in a manner worthy of God. So there's the we. There's the responsibility that I play. Now look, you have a part that, you, that, that you're loved, you're encouraged, you're comforted, you're implored, you're charged, you're spurred on to do what? To walk in a manner worthy of God. What, I love the word walk in Scripture. We say, oh, we got to walk with Jesus. Yeah, we do. That's a forward progression. That means that we, it, it, he didn't ask us to run a marathon. He didn't ask us to run a sprint. It's more of a marathon than it is a sprint. It's not a sprint. But we're to walk with him humbly and obediently day in and day out. Walk with God in a manner worthy of God. In essence, friends, there needs to be moral courage and there needs to be integrity. I, I thought about this and thought about, well, what's, what's it mean to, to walk in a manner worthy of God? I'm glad you asked. Glad you asked. So Paul, as he talks to the church at Ephesus, he, he tells them, he, he says this in chapter 4, verses one, two, three, 1 through 3. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called 
with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. If we're going to walk in a way that's worthy to God, then we need to make sure that we're doing that in humility, with gentleness, with patience. I want to stop there as I ask the first service. How many of you in here are an expert at patience? Wait a second. I don't, you mean to tell me none of y'all are an expert at patience? Y'all struggle with that too? Oh, thank God. I, I'm, I'm in a place that knows me, right? That we can, we can get along. We have some commonality. What do we see also as I think about patience? I, I think to that verse in 1 Thessalonians 4.13 where Paul says, he said to admonish the idle, help the weak. And then he said this little zinger. He said, be patient with them all. And I challenge you this morning, we know that Paul didn't write that on his own accord, that, that he didn't write that, not in an accord, but on an accord. It, we, he didn't, we didn't write that without the, the Holy Spirit directing him, because if man would have wrote that, we would have left that little part out, right? We're to be patient with the people we like? No. Are we to be patient with some people? No. Are we to be patient with the old people? Yeah, but, um, all right, so... Are we to be patient with the curmudgeon? Sure. But we're to be patient with them all. Now, now he goes on further, and later in chapter 4 of Ephesus, we see this. We see this in the text. We see where he talks about the new life in Christ. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. So it has to do, if we're going to walk in a manner that's worthy of the Lord, it's, it has to do with our hearts, it has to do with our minds, that the futility of their minds, that they were darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. Listen, friends, I told you and I'll tell you again, there are many people that will miss heaven by 12 inches. They have a head knowledge of Christ, but not a heart knowledge. And we need to begin to pray, Lord, will you chisel away, will you soften Harden hearts. If you want to pray something for the body of Bethel, if you want to pray something for our community as we try to go out and reach our community, pray that the Lord would soften hearts to allow His Word, His light, the seeds of His Word to be planted. That they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to every practice, to practice every kind of impurity. And that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and is to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to be put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So guys, if we're going to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, it's got to do with our heads it's got to do with our hearts. It's got to do with our deeds. It's got to do with our desires. We've got to check ourselves. But we, we carry on. He what? It says that God called to his own kingdom and his glory. Has God called you? Have you heard that call? Think about Jesus as he called the first disciples. He said, What? Come, follow me. Come. God, have you ever clearly heard that voice of God calling you, bidding you to come? Maybe he's calling you this morning. Maybe he's called you in the past. 
Maybe you just kept pushing him off. God, I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not worthy. You never will be. Come and follow me. Then we see as he transitions, verse 13, and this is where we'll spend the majority of the rest of our time. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us. Let's stop right there for a minute. When you received, when you welcomed the word. Friends, Romans 10, 17, faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That when you receive, that you welcome the word of God, which you receive from us. There's that we again, right? Austin, myself, your Sunday school teacher, your group leader, your disciple maker, Our job is to preach, well, is to teach. Some of us is to preach. Not everybody is to teach, amen. Not everybody is a teacher, but but we're to share what God is doing in our hearts and lives. And so I want to ask you this morning as we think about that, what you heard from us, what you heard from us, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God, the Word of Christ. And so I've come to ask you this morning, are we speaking the Word over others in our life? Are we speaking the word? Are we sharing the word in our conversations? I can't help. I can't help but think about my friends, Marla and Bill Langford. Marla would bake cookies, and I guess Bill would come and bring and share them so he didn't eat them all. And so he would bring them to class. And one night, he, I think he brought cookies, but he also brought a slip of paper. And on that slip of paper, they had gone in and they had copied a passage from Colossians written down in my Bible, and I can't help but think of them. And it goes like this, First Colossians 1, 9 and following. And so, from the day we have heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened. See, here's what happened. Marla and Bill, they print out those slips of paper, and I kept it on my desk uh, to me for years, and, and would keep it right there. And fast forward, I worked at the olive tree for a year and a half. There's a lot of places I haven't, uh, not, a lot of places I haven't not worked. So if you want to hear part of my story, I'd be glad to tell you. I've learned a little bit everywhere along the way. But I worked at the olive tree for a year and a half on Saturdays because my daughter had to get braces, and y'all know braces ain't cheap. So like, I needed some extra money. So I began to work there. Well, when I would go there, people would come in and they'd say, hey, I need to get a Bible for my nephew. I need to get a Bible for my sister. Like, she's growing in her faith or she's being baptized or whatever's going on. And so we would go and we would, I would build rapport with them. Some people didn't want to be bothered, but some would engage. And so I would talk to them and I would say, hey, are you an underliner? Do you believe in underlining in God's Word? If you don't, I encourage you to do. Why? Because as God shows you things, as you underline it, as you highlight it, He's going to remind you of those truths in the future, right? We, we forget so much of what we hear very quickly. As soon as you walk out of here, you will forget most of this message. But if you have it written down, if you have it marked, you can go back to it. And so I would simply take them as they would buy the Bible, and I would say, if you're an underliner, how about go to Colossians, put the, book, put the ribbon, put a bookmark here, underline this, and as you give the Bible, you ask the person, and you begin to pray this for them. This is the day we heard. We not cease to pray with you, for you that you may be filled with the knowledge and wisdom of God. Are we sharing and dripping the word into our conversations, into others that God places in our path? 
So we thank God constantly, not just occasionally, but constantly for this, that when you receive the word which you heard from us, you accepted it. There's the you again. We have a role. Austin and I have a role. But you, that you accepted. I love what Eugene Peterson in the message, how he, as he paraphrases this, he says, you took it to heart. You took it to heart. You heard the word. You took it to heart, not as word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God. This is not just fables. This is not just stories. This is not just opinions. This is not just human ideas. It is the breath of God. It is the word of God. It is living water. Some of y'all are drinking from polluted cisterns. You are drinking from polluted places. And the Lord bids you today, come and drink. You never thirst again. Holy and living water. So if we're going to accept it, if we're going to take it to heart for what it is, not the words of men, but the word of God, what do we know about the word? I'm glad you asked. The word is this. It's living and active. It's sharper. It cuts deep and it reveals who we are. How, how do we know this? Where do I get this from? Well, look, look in Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirits of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It cuts deep. It reveals who we really are. And one reason, one reason all of us, including myself, sometimes struggle to get into God's Word is because when we look into God's Word, we see ourselves for who we truly are. And it scares us. But there's hope. He's not done with you yet. But what else do we know about the Word? Not only is it living and active, but I told you a second ago, it was what? It was breathed out. Hoorah. It, not hoorah, that's the, um, there's another, that's the Marines, but there's, there's another, there's a Hebrew or Greek word that's something about breath. Anyway, we'll look that up. Chris and I will get about that. Sorry. We'll, see, we're not perfect. Bless. Breathed out. What's it for? Listen, what do we see as Paul is writing to his protege, Timothy? He says what? All Scripture, not some Scripture, not just the Scripture you like, but all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So not only is it living and active, not only is it breathed out by God, it serves a purpose to teach us, to correct us, to train us. Then then listen, I take heart in this. You've probably heard me pray it, but now I'm going to show you where it's at. Because the Lord told Isaiah, he says this, Isaiah records it, and he says, the Lord says, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing of which I sent it. See, every Sunday when I stand up to preach and teach these messages, sometimes I even have to say, Lord, bless this mess. I'm like, I don't know how this is going to work. I, it doesn't make much sense to me, but, but give, me, give me boldness. Give me clarity. May I decrease. May you increase. Speak through me. But, but, but what do we see? As I stand up and preach and teach God's Word, it, I, I can't save anybody. You can't save anybody either. 
So what do we see? The Word says it doesn't return void. So this morning, this message was for somebody. Somebody in here got bits and pieces of this, and it's going to accomplish what God wills. I, I think about Paul and Timothy and Peter and John and all those, and, and when they went, it, there's a great story, and it talks about where they're, they're arguing about Apollos and who was greater and who did the greater thing, and they said, look, it, it's not who plants it's not who waters but it's god who grows and so y'all some of y'all you need to get your little garden little container that's got a little spout on the front and you need to take what some of the stuff that you're getting here and you need to go out of those doors get in your car and this week in your family in your circle of influence in your office space wherever you're at you need to take a little bit of that and you need to drip that into that conversation you need to pour a little bit of that on there you 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 need to give them some fresh water you need to also maybe you just plant a little seed maybe you do like bill and marla and you take a, a verse and and you print it out or you write it out you send a note card and you point people to god's word you don't worry about what god's going to do with it because what does his word say his word says that it goes forth and it accomplishes what he wills We can't dictate it, just share it. Just say it. But but look at this. So not only is it living and active, not only is it breathed out, not only does it not return void, but it's true. And and I just simply pinned these words in my notes as I was studying. Listen, God's word is true, whether you accept it or not. But when you do, it begins a work. We see it in the text. It begins a work in you. And God transforms us from the inside out. It gets in your heart, it gets in your head, and it changes what you say and it changes what you do. There are a lot of people running around waving the banner of Christ and you're like, I don't see Jesus in you. I don't see Jesus in your actions and your reactions. People say, oh, I'm a believer. Where's the fruit? Be patient. Maybe some of them, as Paul says, admonish the idle. Help the weak. Be patient with them all pray that the lord would help them to grow in their faith that he may help them to grow in their faith last thing i want you to see here in the text this morning verse 13 but you accept it for what it really is not the words of men but the word of god which is at work in you believers listen a work in you. Scripture doesn't say a work on you. It's a work in you. Some of y'all are so worried about outward appearances that you are following Jesus. I told the first service, and I might get in trouble, I don't care. It's all good. Have Bible, will travel. I ain't said that since I've been voted in the pastor. Anyway, <clears throat> listen, listen, this is not about me. When I come to church on Sunday morning, the reason that I preach and teach in a button-down shirt and a pair of blue jeans is because I want Bethel Baptist Church to be a welcoming environment where anybody feels like they can come in the door and attend. Right? I mean, that's what it's about. It's not about worrying about that outward appearance. They're not going to look like believers because they ain't believers. Stop worrying about the outside and worry about what's on the inside. And help, I mean, the word even says, y'all worried about the outside. You look like whitewashed tombs, and they look pretty on the outside, but they're full of death 
and decay on the inside. Like the cup, y'all got the outside of the cup looking real clean, real spotless. But inside it's full of decay, it's full of chaos, it's full of death. Stop worrying about the outside and worry about the inside. A friend of mine, James, Mr. Robin James, that owns James Formerware, he, he rented, he just recently passed. I'll never forget standing in his shop talking with him. And he said, Chris, you know, I have people that come to me. I, and his primary business was that he rented tuxedos, weddings, proms, those kind of things. He said, Chris, he said, I, I didn't ever think I'd see this happen. He says, I have people who come, and they come to rent suits because people don't even rent suits. People don't even have a suit. They have to rent one. That's why I dress the way I dress. It's because I'm not worried about what's on the outside. I'm trying to get people to look on the inside and see what God wants to do. Furthermore, I encourage you, this week I heard from a young lady, and it's things like this that break my heart. And maybe you need to begin to pray, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Ran into a young lady this week, had a conversation with her. She's a single mother with a small child. And she said, you know what, I'm trying to find my place, and I'm going to these different churches. But she said, what, what gets me is the place where I'm supposed to find love and encouragement is a place where they judge me because I'm a young mother with a small child, a single mother. That breaks my heart. Who, who is going to go alongside and minister to this person? That they feel like they can't even come to church where they should be able to come to be loved and encouraged and find community with other believers. It's a work in you, not on you. Talk with a friend of mine who, you know, that's what we have to do. We have to have those people in your life that will help you see different things. And so as I was even working on this message, in between the services, got this nugget of wisdom. They said this, and I want to share it with you, that you can have morals, but you can't be those things until you are in Christ, until Christ is in you. You can aspire to be a good person, but a good person is not going to get you into heaven. Oh, he was a good person. Well, praise God. Did he know Jesus? Nope. Okay, then he went to hell. I mean, that's just that's fact of the matter. It is what it is. Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. And you say that's polarizing. The Word of God is polarizing to those who are far from him. But he's wooing them. Scripture this morning says what? He's calling them. He's calling you. To walk in a manner worthy of which he's called you. Listen. We walk by the truths of God's word. We're to receive it. We're to accept it. We're to let it work. And we're to live it. Maybe, I give you prayer prompts from time to time. Here's a prayer prompt for you this morning. As I hurry to finish. Father, give me the desire to know and obey your word. You, you want to pray something for the life of Bethel Baptist Church? Maybe we need to begin to pray for each other that we may know and obey the word. As I close this morning, I want to ask you, how many of y'all remember when you were a kid having to take some nasty medicine? Y'all remember that? Like, I, I'm of the generation came along and, like, they just flavorized everything, right? It tastes like grape. Oh, this is yummy. Give me that, right? So they tried to flavor it up a little bit. Well, listen. Just like that medicine, sometimes the Word of God, it doesn't taste good going down. But once it makes it in you, you're better once it begins to work. So here, here listen. 
Don't pack up just yet. Y'all get the second run at the buffet. They ain't going to run out. If they do, you call me, I'll come get you something to eat. Amen? See, if you'd fill out a Connect card, I took you to lunch. But anyway, oh, now everybody's going to fill out a Connect card. <clears throat> hey, we need, to up, uh, we need to increase that line item. Um, hey, listen, no, seriously. I want to speak to two different people here this morning. There's some of y'all that you've been refusing that you need that medicine, that you need the Word. I'm not sick. I don't need God. I don't need regular community. I don't need His Word. You do. You do. And, and that handout, that, that fall kickoff guide for you, Sunday school, groups, studies, it's an opportunity for you to belong and to become who God intends you to be. For you to step into community, for God to grow you, for you to go deeper with Him and deeper with one another. You need regular community. You need His Word. Listen, there's some of y'all here this morning, you need a dose. You need a reminder. You need a, you need a fresh start. And so I just want to call you, I want to tell you this, straight out of what we just studied, God's calling. Here's, a, here's your next step for some of y'all this morning. Yield. Yield. God's calling. Young lady will baptize next week. She said, you know, God began to call, and I began to read his word. She read his word. She accepted him as Lord and Savior. She said, okay, all right, God, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you. Next thing, you know, she says, I, I want to be baptized. That's my next step. Praise God. Because what do we see in the word? Repent. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. So God's calling you yield. Listen, we saw it in the text. The word works. Y'all, I want to encourage you. Keep coming. Because my heart, Austin's heart is, we want to encourage you. We want to spur you on. We wanna, we're going to challenge you. But we're also going to find times that we're going to comfort you in, in what God's word says. We're, we're going to walk alongside of you because you weren't meant to be alone. I don't know what God wants to do in your heart and mind today, but let's pray. Father God, thank you. Father, thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and lives. And I pray this morning, Lord, that if you're calling someone here today, if they've never trusted in you, if they've never put their faith, hope, and trust in you and you alone, Father, I pray today would be the day of salvation. Lord, if you're calling, I, I bid them to come. Lord, that's what you, you, you tell us to do, that we're to come, that that we're to follow you, that we're to get into your word. And as your word does, it, it gets in us and it changes us. It, it transforms our hearts and our minds. It, it, it th- in and through it, you make us more like Jesus. And so, Father God, I don't know what the next step is for any one of these individuals this morning, but God, I stand on the promise of your word that as we preach and talk your word today, that it doesn't return void. It, it didn't just go into the abyss, but, but that you're working, you're stirring and moving in the hearts and lives of these people. Lord, I pray you'd give them the courage to fill out a Connect card, to come up to me or Austin or one of these men or women after church and just say, hey, I need prayer. I need somebody to just pray with me. I, I need some help in this season that I'm in. Father, that's what we're here to do. We're here to exhort. We're here to encourage. We're here to comfort. We're here to point others to you. And so, Father, I pray now as we sing our final song, Lord, I pray if there's someone who needs prayer, I pray they come. Lord, send in the first, first row of chairs and just bow their heads and, and pray. Lord, if there's one that needs prayer and I can pray with them, Lord, come. Lord, I invite them to come. Father, your will be done in our lives and hearts.